You're listening to the O Balls Podcast in association with Peninsula Prints for all your bespoke t-shirt and clothing prints. Welcome to the O'Balls podcast, Fans Eye View, featuring Chelsea this week. We have Mohammed from the CFC Talk Pod with us now. How are you, Mohammed? I'm well. How about you, Paul and Chris? How, how are you guys doing? Very well, thank you, mate. I'm just getting a bit bored because we're in lockdown. Can't go fishing. Can't go... Can't, well, I can go... Do you know what? I, I say that. I meant golf. I can't play golf. I could actually... Do you know what, Chris? I can actually go fishing, but I really I just don't want to. I've spent that much money on my golf gear this year. Now, I'm just not going... But on pure principle, I'm not going back to fishing. So I'm bored of doing the same stuff every day. All I can do is run. I'm just going running. I'm 10K yesterday. So... How are you where you are, Mohammed? COVID-wise? Um, I mean, I think I think it's it's a worldwide thing. I think at this point, uh, we're all just in on the same boat here and there. But yeah, I mean, um, attending virtual classes, just um, working on a few side things in the meantime, just trying to get time to just run by and get a vaccine as soon as possible. You know? Yeah, we're all in the Apparently same boat. there's some good news on that though, isn't there? Uh, obviously yeah. Pfizer, Pfizer have bought out this... First thing I would say is, isn't it absolutely or pure coincidence that it all of a sudden came out after Biden got made a, made mm-hmm. a president elect? How funny is that? And there's, there's definitely something in that. Pfizer came out with a ninety percent, and then this this what company from the states have come out with a ninety five percent effective vaccine. To, well, yesterday or today, that's incredible. When you consider that the flu vaccine only actually is thirty to fifty percent effective. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, hopefully it works. We're, we get to go fishing then, uh, Paul. You get to go fishing. <laughs> don't want to go fishing. I want to go and play golf. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, 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 you know what I mean? Everyone, it, as you say, it's, this is, we've never seen anything. We've never seen anything like this. And I'm 99% sure we probably never will um, again. But it's just, it's just crippled everyone, hasn't it? As in. Mm, oh, the, yeah. the economy in every country but forget that we've got you here um, as Chris said fans I have you we come up with a bit of a feature a couple of weeks ago um, last week we we um, went on about Everton got a few fans on a few friends whatever it's obviously that easy for well yeah it's easy around here because there's a few <laughs> unfortunately there's a few blues around here Um for us, yeah. but it was kind of a last minute thing, wasn't it? Last week with with the Everton, and it, it was good that we actually got three three people actually to send some some stuff on Everton for us. But, uh, but we're we, a bit more clued up this week, aren't we? We looked at Chelsea's squad, and I said Chelsea would we're, we're doing Chelsea next week. Simple as that. Um, <laughs> so I guess that brings us nicely on. First of all, let's talk about the squad. What do you what do you think of it now? Where is it at? What what need what do you think you still need? I think 
when I when I look at the squad and and I compare it to last season, and you know, coming in fourth place last season was something that was very unexpected, especially with the academy players that we had, um, and and the the money that we've spent this year, uh, it's 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 incredible that we've where we were able to sign the like someone likes of Hakim Ziyech, um, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz and everyone. And yes, our attack is phenomenal and everyone's like so young, which is such a good plus point because we, our average age in the attacking front is almost at the 23, 24. So we can expect another 50, 10 years from them if yeah. it works out fine. So I think overall the squad, there's like these, these guys are made to contest for the title and maybe not this year, but next year, yes, Chelsea fans will come back and say, "Hey, we need Frank. We need a title from you." Um, and and I, th- I would say the only thing that I at the start of the season um, was lacking was a goalkeeper. But when Mendy's come in and and you know six clean sheets, two goals scored, uh, two goals conceded in the, in the last six or seven games is absolutely incredible. So yeah, I would say I wouldn't change one thing. But yeah, of course, defense still seems a little bit um, off the place at the moment. You know, with Silva, he's he's 36, so he'll be here for another year or maximum two years. So yeah, we we, we need to find a long-term replacement and a backup. Do you think that um, the partnership between Silva and Mendy has give you that defensive stability, Dan? I think we we discuss this on on our podcast, and we usually joke about this and how um, our defense is so diversified in the form of where. Um, You've got Mendy and Zuma who speak French, and because Thiago Silva's been playing for Paris Saint Germain, he's he's aware of French as well. And then you've got our oh, right yeah, backs and left backs who are like who are who are um, English speaking um, English nationals. So you you would kind of guess I I don't know what language they use. Silva still struggling in English, but we we talked about this and we said, hey, whatever they're doing, as long as there's clean sheets, as long as we're not conceding goals, it's working. Continue it. You know, you want to talk in French, you want to talk in English. English. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. I think when when as you just said there, I pick up on the first point. The I I, I think the the signings Chelsea have made three two or three of them in particular are phenomenal. Um, I think Ben Ben Chilwell is 100% the best English left-back. Um, I think between him, Lucas Dina and Robertson are the best three in the Premier League. Um, and he's only very young still. Um, he's a phenomenal signing, I think. Thiago, Thiago Silva, for his experience, I've never been... Mad keen on him, but for his experience, he's won ever. He's won, you know, he's won lots of stuff um, over the years. So for experience, that's a great signing. Uh, but I think the goalkeeper, um, you know, it, the, the goalkeeper. You, you look at Liverpool when they signed Van Dijk. The, Van Dijk obviously changed the Liverpool massively, but we still had um, Loris Karius or Mignolet in goal, you know, and then they brought in Allison, and overnight it changed them into you know, could proper contenders. And as you say, look at this guy who's coming goal. He just looks so calm. And Kepa always always looked like there was going to be a mistake in him. A bit like Pickford always looked like there's a mistake in him, do you think? I think with Kepa and and a lot of people give him hate and, and my myself I'm not a big fan of Kepa. But towards the start of the season I was ready to say, hey look, Kepa had a bad season last time, but I'm not gonna sit here and say he's he's he he needs to go out. I would still I would have still given him a chance. And yes, even this season, 
we've made errors. We've made errors against um, West Brom, and then I think was it Southampton where there were a few defensive errors plus Kepa's errors as well. But yeah, I think Kepa is very confident when he goes into the Spanish team, and I think because that's because he's he's been doing it for so long. But for che- at Chelsea, for some reason, he's not been able to create that confidence back up. Um, we haven't really seen him in much, much action after Mendy's come in. The only time we saw him was against Southampton and then we again conceded three goals. So that was kind of a rough patch for Kepa again. And I think the only way we're going to ever see Kepa back into the team is if we play FA Cup games where maybe Mendy's being rested because of the heavy schedule that we've got yeah, because I of agree, the yeah. situation. So you, I think with Kepa, you, it's... Sorry? Sorry, do you think Kepa will stay at Chelsea with that in mind? Or do you think Chelsea will want to keep him there to only play FA Cup with him being a, a £70 million player? So I think I was I was going to get to that. And, and I was going to say, um, Kepa, it, 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 it's not worth it to keep a £70 million goalkeeper as a backup. Um, and for sure, you know, we don't have a third option. Or, you know, we have Caballero, but how, how long can Caballero go? And, he, and, and then you've got the likes of Czech who's, who said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be included into the squad, but it's highly likely that Chelsea won't play him out. And, and you know, to, you have to go through Mendy, Kepa, Caballero, and then go to Czech and say, hey, you want, you're going to have to play the next game. So um, with Kepa, it's the case of either A, he chooses to go out on a loan in January, maybe go out for a year or two, build up that confidence, maybe train yeah. at a different club, try something else with other defenders. Um, and, and, you know, and then if not, if it doesn't work out over there as well, then we know it's a clear sign of, hey, Kepa needs to leave the club. And if it works out, then maybe try him back on, bring him back on as a first choice goalkeeper. I think um, I'd say that, that your best signing this summer, and it, I purposely left him out on purpose. I think Kai Havertz has got a lot to come and um, clearly got a lot of talent. I did see him in Germany. Um, Timo Werner, a lot of ability. You know, I love watching him play in that left channel, the one that Gary Gary Neville always goes on about the channel between the sort of centre back <laughs> and the right back. It's a very Gary Neville thing to say, isn't it? Um, but I love I love watching Hakim Ziyech. I loved him for Ajax. I love his left foot is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he is a real talent. And you know, you look at the first full ninety minutes that he played last week. After his, you know, getting oh, over his incredible. injury, and he was absolutely three assists he got in that game. And I, I go on this. I've got this website that I use for my stats for for the podcast. And I was looking through it today, and he's already Chelsea's top assister in the I Premier think, League this season. I think I think he's he's got he's got so much potential, and you know he's one of the older signings, um, twenty seven years old, but he did wonders for Ziyech, uh, for for Ajax. Sorry, um, and. I think it was the game against us last year when when it when we drew four four when Chelsea realized hey we need to get this guy on uh, um, and and to replace someone like William who who couldn't beat the first man in corners it almost feels like we've got we've got a legendary player we've got maybe even you can you can say someone of the likes of Hazard or back back at the club um, but yeah I think with Ziyech, his his the, the the most phenomenal thing and and it really puts a smile to my face is when I see that ball just fly from the left-hand side right onto um, Ben yeah. Chilwell's feet as if like it was planned out in training. Like he, he's been doing that day and night. Yeah, like the uh, the big switch of play. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love any footballer who can do that. Gerard <laughs> used to do Gerard used to do that for over the years. It, it just looks so good, doesn't it? Effortless, effortless. 
Yeah, that ball just looks so good. I, I think Ziyech is, uh, yeah, he's going to be very prominent um, for Chelsea. And, you know, he's got he's got a bright future at Chelsea. And, yeah, hopefully some titles come with it. Hold on. No one said you're allowed to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> Chris? Yeah, um, Timo Werner, like I, I watched the, um, the goal again against uh, Southampton uh, earlier on today, uh, where he runs through near enough everyone like a battering ram, and it, he's just he, he's unbelievable. But um, when he first came to Chelsea and he, he stuttered a bit, didn't he, in the first couple of games? But he, that game against Southampton, I think he just exploded, he showed. Yeah, determination. He just wanted it more than everyone else, and wanted to prove a point. So, how do you see him going throughout the season, Mohammed? I think for him, um, it, it's going to be. I think we, all all Chelsea fans knew that it's going to be hard for any any new signing to settle into the Premier League. Um, it's it's one of the most competitive leagues in the world, and and so yeah, when you come in, it takes time. And with Werner, it was the same case where he kind of struggled at the start. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the, his shots were off target, wasn't getting it right. But now he's finally got his form back, and it's it's nice to see that. And with the support of you know Ziyech and and uh, Ben Chilwell and everyone, um, he's been scoring goals. But yeah, he he's 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 the kind of striker who can even if he doesn't score goals, he hold up the ball up the pitch. You you may say Giroud kind of used to do that. Um, where he would just hold up the ball and wait for Hazard to make the run so that he can pass it on, um, and and Hazard would use his pace. And that's something that Werner, I, I I see him doing if he doesn't end up scoring those like you know twenty goals a season um, for Chelsea. But yeah, he's he's got quite a lot of potential. And of course, I think uh, I'm not exactly sure, so um, I'm gonna have a guess. I think he's on three goals. Was it three goals? Um, I'll tell you right League. now, my friend. Um, he has. I've seen it before. Oh, hold on. I've gone on to. Um, I went on to players. He's got four in the Prem. Yeah, four goals in the Champions League. So, yeah, yeah. I, I still see him scoring like almost twenty goals this year, plus maybe even more. So yeah, he's got quite a lot of potential um, in this uh, to be part of this team. And, and yeah, I um, I said to Chris before. So um, obviously. Chelsea, uh, obviously, but when I, when I, whenever we're going to talk about each team, I just do a little bit of a read up first, um, and so let's just get the stats, stats out there so every, we can kind of talk about them. So in the Premier League this season, how about Chelsea? have only lost once, and that was to Liverpool. They've won four, drawn three. Um, <laughs> any, any opportunities? <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, it, I'm just thinking. Uh, well, let's just say it was Liverpool. But what I'm saying is, obviously, they have only lost one game, and it was against you know Liverpool. So it's not like they got beat by I don't know Burnley or something like that. Um, they drew away at Old Trafford, and they had very routine wins against Sheffield United and Burnley. They battled. You know, incredibly well um, for a free all at West Brom after being down three 0 at half time. Showed real character there, um, and then but did, and then against Southampton, they were two 0 up at half time. Then go to two all, then three two a few minutes later, and then gave a ninety third minute equaliser away. Um, since then, they've only conceded one goal in the Premier League. Sorry, one goal in three Premier League games. 
And but one goal in six games, you know, in six games, if you had include the Champions League, which shows obviously real tightening up. But Frank is obviously a manager who's still learning. Tactical side of things is something that obviously he's still trying to get right himself. Um so yeah, I mean it's looking it's looking pretty positive, Mohammed. Yeah, I think um, if if you look at like our recent scores, I think yeah, after that Liverpool loss, we haven't really had a loss. And yes, there there have been situations and against um, you, you can say against Southampton where yeah, that was a game to win. You know, when you're when you're tuning up, you don't expect to just give up a lead and then again go up and then give up another lead. So yeah, against Southampton, yes, that was those were like three points which we dropped, and then against um, West Brom. You know, it was very unexpected. We went into the game thinking, hey, this is, these are three easy points. We we go and get them and we come back. And when, when that third wick goal went in, it, it almost went, felt like, yeah, this is it. Like, we've, we've just gone and lost it. And this is, this is the, like, this might be one of those Mourinho seasons where we come 10th place and we have to replace Frank Lampard. But... Again, I I kind of and I'm I'm well known on the on my podcast on on making quick judgments about play, uh, players and managers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think after after that game, I would say yeah we've we've recovered we've recovered well. Um, a few draws here and there, but the four three three formation has worked wonders for us against. We after that when we switched on to the four three three against Krasnodar, um, since then this this has been amazing and and. and it, it comes down to the point where at the start of the season, we had quite a lot of injuries and we still do have some, you know, Pulisic, he's, he's not 100% fit. Um, we saw against, uh, was it again, England versus Belgium, where we, we heard Ben Chilwell kind of nicked up an injury. So yeah, he might be out for this game. And then Thiago Silva is not going to play this next game as well. So it's, it's very hard to get our like actual first 11 to play, you know? Um, and we've, we've had to like, improvise on the spot kind of thing at, in moments so yeah with Frank Lampard I think he's got the formation figured out he just needs to be patient and just continue with this um, try and get try and use the best players he's got available well um, something that I was also looking at today and I uh, brought back a bit of nostalgia sort of well, Jose's first sort of Chelsea side and then obviously those who took after him one thing the the, the really good prem, the Chelsea Premier League sides have had is that um a really strong spine. Now, obviously, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea side was well had a world class spine. Obviously, checking goal, John Terry, Lampard in the midfield, Drogba up front, um, and it looks like Frank's at the start of creating his own spine. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, so we've got a new keeper, Thiago Silva's in there. Obviously, he's not there long term, but you know, they, they, they've got the money to bring in a, a real. Solid centre half, probably January, maybe even next summer. Then in the midfield, you know, Kante, um, Ziyech, and then obviously you've got your main man up front in 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 Werner. So you know, it looks like Frank's sort of developing his own spine. And um, you know, as I say, I I, I honestly think Chelsea. I, I still, as you said before, I think Chelsea are the apart from City and Liverpool. I think Chelsea are the other. Best side in the Premier League that you you have to you have to be up against this season to to definitely get in the top three, um, but yeah, it's definitely there. It looks like a big season from from Fat Frank. <laughs> yeah, I think um, if we look at the Premier League right now, and no one would have predicted midway to you know November, and, and it would be so close. You know, we, we, the last three seasons, I would say, since that first Man City title, it's always been the fact that 
you you come into the Premier League, win your first 10, 11 games, and look, you're, you've got such a big lead in terms yeah. of points that you know you're you're technically declared champions, and um, that happened with Liverpool last season with Man City, and, and then I think one of the seasons where Man City and Liverpool only were like a point um, difference between them. So yeah, it's been the case in the Premier League like that, but now it's just so open. You know, there's a chance Tottenham might win it. There's a chance Leicester. There was, those are dark horses, and then you've got. Um, people like you know Chelsea. No one would have said Chelsea were going to con- con- compete, but again, we're only three points behind first place. So overall, yes, it's it's it, you can say anyone can win it. It's, in, it's it's anyone's Premier League at the moment. I think um, one question I have got, and I'll uh, I'll pass over to Chris. Is do you think um, do you th- what do you think of the lack of fans? Do you think that's going to open it up a bit more? Do you think the certain like we we were talking last week? You know. Liverpool and Leeds um, are definitely two of the clubs that, you know, really feed off their fans and sort of are very famous for this sort of atmosphere and whatever. Do you think do you think it's going to make it a bit more open this season? I mean, I've already seen I've already seen a stat somewhere on Twitter yesterday that there's been more away Premier League wins in the first eight games this season than there's been in the last 19 years. So there's obviously something in it for away teams. I think it, 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 it boils down to, you know, if you want to look at a certain match where you say, hey, atmosphere is, atmosphere matters is the Barcelona-Liverpool match you get in at Anfield. And, you know, yes, Liverpool are one of the most famous clubs for an at, to build up an atmosphere. And, you know, they're, they're, fans do affect you. And, you know, when you have 50,000 fans in a stadium booing you as soon as you're about to take a shot, it does affect you mentally. And then <laughs> it really does put, it does put a change in, in performance, you know. Um, and yeah, when you when you don't have anyone in the ground, and you, when you can hear your coach so clearly, and when you can, um, basically, communication just becomes easier. Um, and I'll, I'll refer back again to the Barcelona Liverpool game, even though I I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, <laughs> come on, we, we say, don't mind. Come on, we don't mind. <laughs> I would say, you know, Liverpool players would have expected that atmosphere. They would have planned it out. They know what they're doing. And then Barcelona, on the other hand, it would have been so shook by the atmosphere. Um, and when you look at the replays or when you look at the highlights, you can really make sense of how much noise the crowd made. And when you go from almost having 50,000 um, per game to zero, or maybe the 10 that you've got on the bench are clapping after a goal, it does um, make it quite neutral. So yeah, absolutely. For me, yeah, it, it, it without having fans, it's really made the Premier League like, hey, you're playing on neutral level, like the NBA's done with uh, with uh, the bubble, and if they've created it in the in the US, um, yeah, and it, it defeats the purpose of home and away game, in my opinion, almost. Um, the The only difference would be the changing rooms and a little bit of travel uh, fatigue, but yeah, other than that, it, it's it's made it very open. Uh, and and that's why I still say you know anyone it, it's anyone's Premier League. Absolutely, I agree, Chris. Yeah, definitely. I I think Mohammed hit the nail on the head there. Um, not having fans now, it's I wouldn't say it's a training game, but it it's totally different aspect, isn't it? It's like you say, if you've got one player who's low on confidence, let's take Kepa for example, having let's say 15,000 fans behind them screaming at him is not going to help the lad, is it? If he's making mistakes, if he's... So what, in, um, I, don't, 
away ground. Let's say he's at Anfield and he's got the cop behind him after he's made the mistake. It, <laughs> it's not going to help his confidence, is it? So, but in the I same... think at this point, even if he's behind, even if he's in front of the Chelsea fans, it's not going to help him. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I was going to go to. Now I was going to say that as well. Yeah, with having no fans, that the lad's still not having a good time, is he? But what I was going to say about that is, do you think now that the defence is solid, well, become a little bit more solid, do you think that could help him? Or do you think that's him done now, Mohamed, for good? Um, well, I, I would say our defence has been, the back four in the Premier League has been the same for, I would say, more or less in, in most of the games. And, um, referring yeah. back to the Southampton game, we saw Zuma did a bit of an error in there, um, which caused the goal. So um, Kepa is—he's—I would say—I don't—I don't think the defense is making a difference. It's either because a he's not commanding enough, and and if you listen, if you watch the game without commentary, you realize how much Mendy is shouting, telling his back four, doing what he wants, and Kepa is kind of that guy who's still in, in the shell, or even if he broke out of his shell. He's been put back into the shell because of how um, how um, he, he's he's been performing, and with with Kepa again, he needs to break that barrier, that shell, and come out and say, "Hey, okay, I've messed up so many times. Let me prove so, Let me prove myself. Um, let me get this right." Do you know yeah. what he reminds me of a little bit? Do you remember when David De Gea first came to the Premier League, and he just he looked a shatty. If you look at him, obviously he's not he's not at his peak anymore. He's making making more mistakes these days. But when when De Gea was the best Premier League goalie by some distance, he did he wasn't that when he came to the Premier League. And okay, there's age as well. He, he you know he matured and stuff. But when he first came, he looked really he looked quite small in the goal, quite he frail. Strong, he yeah. Frail. He was he was flapping at things. And I look at Kepa, and the, the kid has obviously got a lot of ability. Let's not let you know. Let's not completely write his career off here and now. But you know he's he, he just doesn't for me. He just looks a bit of a forlorn figure. And and I I for one for his own career was actually quite happy that he got took out the spotlight a little bit um, because I think I think the last thing he needed was to just stay in goal, particularly as he made a mistake against Mane and gave Mane the ball, right? Gary Neville was literally talking on the commentary saying, oh, they'll get a new goalkeeper tomorrow. Now, for me, that was quite poor by Gary Neville, but I understood what he was saying. He was saying, that's it, it's game over. This is like the final straw sort of thing. Yeah, and I think um, this, this goes back to, again, you know, being a seventy million pound goalkeeper, price tag um, didn't help him. Like, yeah, I think it puts more of a pressure on him. And and you know, if he was, if he cost us ten million, no one would have put a finger on it and been like, okay, he cost ten million, put him on the sides, no worries. But the fact that he cost us seventy millions and he was one of the record signings, and I think it was a few days right after Allison. Um, that we, yeah, it was. Like, Allison, Allison was yeah. like the record goalkeeper, and then if literally a few days later, Chelsea went and bought the record goalkeeper. Yeah, so I think with the price tag, it doesn't really help him either. So it, it boils it down to, hey, at Spain, he doesn't have a price tag. He doesn't have anything. And, and the only thing that he care, he needs is, is is he's playing for his nation. And when he comes at Chelsea, he knows, hey, I've, co- I've cost the club 70 million. I've cost the club 60 or odd so goals last season. Um, I'm still conceding goals and that puts pressure on you. And, and again, um, 
having not having the confidence to arrange that back four and get ready to um, to attack and everything. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Price price tag always will go before a player's name, won't it? You only got to look. Yeah. You only got to look at Harry Maguire right now. As at, at the moment, you look at Harry Maguire. <laughs> no, but I mean this in a different sense. You know, we we go back. Well, yeah. I'm I'm just talking pure price tag. You're looking every at, when Liverpool signed Van Dijk for seventy five million at the time. At the time, everyone was like, "Wow, that is incredible money." Now we've seen what Van Dijk's gone on to do, but Man United paid more for Harry Maguire. Now people naturally, not just I'm not saying Liverpool fans, but naturally, if you're a football fan, you look at that and you go, "Liverpool paid that for him." Man United went and broke that record and paid that for him. Now he is arguably half the player of Van Dijk, but that's it, it's not his fault that he was bought for eighty million. That's you know you you we, we always go back to the same thing. You don't you don't worth what a football club's prepared to pay for you. You know Neymar wasn't yeah, worth one hundred and ninety eight million, but PSG paid it. I think yeah, with um with with football, it, it it it's kind of a disadvantage that there's no price caps on players, and there's you know a, a club could pay f- anything. You know you could be worth anything, and and you made a really good point by saying you're worth whatever the club's ready to pay. And it boils down to when Chelsea needed a centre-back, it was a case of when there were rumours about Koulibaly, there was rumours about Declan Rice. And we would see West Ham raise the price to almost 80, 90 million for someone like Declan Rice, which was kind of unacceptable. Because, and, Crazy they knew money, the that's what it that, is. Yeah. 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 And, and they knew the situation, what, what situation Chelsea were in and how desperate <coughs> they were to have someone um, to actually... You know, be yeah. there in 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 that area of field. So yeah, for for Chelsea, it was a case of, hey, is he really that worth it, or should we just go another season with Kante and someone else? And you know, clubs do really think about, um, do really need to start thinking about, hey, how how is the price tag going to affect a player, um, and how much is it going to really hinder with his performance or his his gameplay and, and his style? Yeah, absolutely, I hundred percent agree. Should we move on to Frank Lampard himself and what you thought <laughs> when it first came in, Mohammed? Ah, oh, this is this is a tough one. This is it, there's there's been moments where I've been frustrated with Frank Lampard, and I've been, come on, man, Chelsea, get him out. You know, we're we're, we're famous for we're famous for getting managers in and out. Like right. it, it, before you right before you go into this, Mohammed, can you, let me just ask you a question? Do you think if you didn't have the spending ban? And the safety net that Frank got, they, would they have gone for Frank Lampard? If they could have gone for anyone and they, that anyone was allowed to spend and not be given the safety net like Frank got? I think this is where we, we can say... That's a, that is this, a great question, by the way. Yeah, that, that is a fool. That, that's going to put me on the spot. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, it, it, it comes down to... This has happened before at Chelsea as well. You know, we've, we've gotten managers... Who, who've been given the credit card with the with like and, and been like hey spend whatever you want kind of thing you know it's it, it's Christmas every day at Chelsea um, and <laughs> it, 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 it 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 happened with Mourinho and then we see it with Frank Lampard and it comes down to last season where we Chelsea fans knew hey we're gonna be fine if we get Europa League 
We're going to be fine if we don't win a single trophy. We're going to be happy if, you know, we see development because we're using academy players. We're using someone like Reese James, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham. And those were our starting 11s. Those are not players that you, you that we were using in cup games or um, yeah. substitutions at 60 minutes. But those were like our regular starters. So with coming top four, it was like, yo, Frank Lampard can actually do something here. And, and he hasn't spent the 200 million, but he's done something. And then this year it came down to, look, there's still a lot of competition. Premier League is out of reach. Champions League is way out of reach. Domestic Cups, let's try and get that. And next year it'll be higher and higher and higher. So Frank Lampard does have a lot of backing from the board. And I think this is where Chelsea is trying to say, look, we've, we've tried sacking almost a manager every year. We've, we've, we've averaged sacking a manager every year. And let's, let's give Frank Lampard a shot. The fans are going to love him no matter what because he's a Chelsea legend. Let's let's put it in, in a way where we put Frank Lampard for the next five years in, at the club, see what he does. If it doesn't work out five years later, we part ways. We don't say we sack him. We don't say that you know he's he's not good enough for Chelsea. We we do it as a, in a mutual way. But right now, I'm very happy with Frank Lampard and the way he's transformed the team going from the way we were playing at the start of the season, so like West Brom and, and all those performances, to how we're playing right now. And last season was incredible, you know. Top four was nothing, that, like something that was expected. And an F- so. FA Cup final as well. And an FA Cup final. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, so great run in those tournaments. And I, I'm happy with how Frank Lampard's been doing. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him here. And well, obviously, uh, of course, considering yes, you were on the spot there, you didn't do too bad. I'll give you that. A hell of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we've got three minutes left of our recording time, so we'll quickly. I'll, I'll give you my prediction of Chelsea this season. Then we'll ask Chris, and then we'll ask you for yours. I put Chelsea third in the Premier League. I do think they'll get to the FA Cup final because I think they've got they've got a great record in the FA Cup final, and I think they'll get to the quarter final of the Champions League. Chris. Uh, I think third as well. Um, FA Cup, yeah, I think they'll take it very seriously. Um, Champions League, I'll go semi-final. Champions League, wow. I'll go the extra one. Yeah, Mohamed? I think um, I'll, I'll go with the same predictions that I went in in one of the podcasts right before the season. And I said, um, we'll, 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 we'll win the title. I think, you know, we'll we've got the potential we've got players to do it Let, let's get it going let's let's get a antonio conte style 14 15 win streak and let's let's climb that table up um knock liverpool down as much as possible hold on a minute i've told you <laughs> <laughs> no i love that i loved i love that you believe no that. confidence yeah yeah i think, well, I think why, if why you not? look at our squad yes we we needed time to gel in and if we had that pre-season you know, we would have started off a lot better than what we are right now. But yeah, I'll, I'm still happy with how this is going. And so, yeah, I would say Champions League, uh, quarterfinal, semifinal, um, both would work perfect for me. Um, and then with the FA Cup, yeah, we, uh, we, we want to win that. We want to make sure we win it. Yeah, and why not? Um, Mohammed? we're about to lose our last minute. I, I just want to <laughs> say thank you very much for, for coming on with us tonight. No, thank you for thank having you. me. It's great. It's yeah. It was a great chat. Thank you for having me. Yeah, amazing. Um, I'll get mate. Obviously, go on to Spotify. Have a listen at the others. Uh, this has been a superb chat. Um, Chris will send you before we release it. Chris will send the send you the episode anyway. And um, feel free to pass it around or you know share it with your other podcastees. I'll be sure to do that. 
So for now, thank you very much and take care. Thank, thank you, you very much, you. Mohammed. Thank you. Thank you. You thank, you. thank you. Our next Chelsea fan is Alex, who runs the Pulisic FC 22 Instagram account. He sent us a message that reads, As a Chelsea fan, it feels like this is a season that's been coming for some time. For years and years, we have sacrificed youth for managerial longevity, for short-term success, sacking great managers and losing out on fantastic future stars, KDB, Lukaku, Salah, etc. due to constant quest for trophies. Our transfer ban last year was honestly such a blessing in disguise. It stopped us from spending for a brief moment forced us to acknowledge some of the serious talent coming through the academy, one of the best youth academies in England, by the way, in my opinion, and finally gave a manager a bit of breathing room without unrealistic expectations when COVID hit and tanked the finances of almost every major club. We had full pockets and the core of youth players beginning to mesh together really well. Then we have an absolute dream of a transfer window, a goalkeeper with two goals conceded and seven clean sheets in nine games. One of the best defenders in the world in silver, Chilwell, who's so underrated, replacing Willian with a world-class playmaker in Zayich, getting Timo the goal machine for 50 million and snapping up one of the best young stars in the game, Havertz, for Lampard to coach into an attacking mid-roll. You couldn't have possibly imagined a better window in hindsight, plus the youth signings. So now we have a youthful homegrown core with star-studded internationals shining in many positions. Such an ideal situation for the club to go forward. And yes, now the pressure does mount on Lampard. Does he have what it takes to shape this side into a title contenders, trophy winners, etc.? I may be proved wrong, but I absolutely think so. Managerial experience is important and he's had barely two years of that, but the man is smart and knows everything there is to know about playing the side of the game, especially being one of the world's best centre midfielders of all time. He's got the right skill set to read games and win them. This season is a massive one primarily because it determined, at least in the eyes of the Chelsea fans, whether Lampard should be leading this golden generation. I think we need to finish top four with a trophy or top three without a trophy and with deep tournament runs and then we can call a season a success. I'd just like to thank Alex for his message on Instagram this week. It seems to be a running theme with the Chelsea fans, real confidence in the side at the moment and why not the way that they're playing. Try and win it. But I think Lampard has seen like a turning point where we were leaking goals against oppositions like a West Brom and Southampton when we shouldn't. And we needed to kind of step back, focus on that structure, find our placing. Our next Chelsea fan is Lee, and he's recorded some audio for us. My name's Lee. I am 27 years old, and I've been a Chelsea supporter for 19 years now. Um, in terms of current form of the team, um, you've seen over like, the last few games, especially the games against Man United and Sevilla, we focus more on the defensive structure of the team. There was a lot of criticism of us kind of not really going to try and win it. But I think Lampard has seen like a turning point where we were leaking goals against oppositions like a West Brom and Southampton when we shouldn't. And we needed to kind of step back, focus on that structure, find our placing. 
And then once we got that and got the confidence that we could get the results, you know, the last few games against Burnley, Wren, Krasnodar and Sheffield, you know, goals have been kind of flying in. And I highlight Sheffield particularly because against Liverpool and Man City, you know, they defended really well. They conceded not many goals. We've been kind of like the first team to actually put a few past them. And I think it shows we've, you know, number one, found a perfect balance. But also as a team, we can really, really get some goals in there and actually start to build on the improvements we've already made. You know, the chemistry is coming for this team. Um, in terms of signings, obviously there is a lot to talk about with that, and I think I'll start with um, Chilwell. You know, obviously he's a Premier League proven player. Everyone expects him to come in and be amazing offensively, but I think obviously a lot of people used to question his defensive capabilities. But so far, he's shown he can be both an attacking outlet and a defensive player as well. He's got the ability, and he is doing it so far. Uh, Ziyech hit the ground running. Um, Obviously, he was injured against Brighton pre-season. We haven't been able to see him. And we signed him ages ago. But, you know, he's literally probably the, I'd say, the best value player, except for maybe Silver, for what he's done for the team. Because, you know, he's come in, he's already grabbing assists, he's already linking up with players, and you're starting to see, like, a relationship form between him and Reese James, which, again, is something for the future of the team as we build along in the progress of where we will maybe be in a couple of years' time, especially. Um, Silver and Mendy. Uh, Mendy, I think the main thing with Mendy is he's come in, he's already got himself a couple of amazing saves, a couple of clean sheets, and he's calmed the back line down so they don't seem as nervous when they come under pressure. Um, Silver has brought authority and leadership, even at the ripe old age of 36, he still seems to have the legs to kind of get about and control and help the team build from the back rather than panicking and having to kind of utilise a young, long ball to Giroud like we did like last season. Um, Havertz is probably the one maybe people would see as a flop, but even for the price tag of 72 million, I think he's still got a lot of time to build on things, seeing as he's come from another league. He's quite young and he's still learning his way, finding his feet. And I think he is a generational talent, so give him a couple of years especially, he will probably be the centre piece of our team. Um, yeah, all good. So yeah, I think if you'd asked me this question at the start of the season, I would have probably been a bit cautious about it because, you know, we had a lot to do in the short space of time, no pre-season, not being able to gel these new players into the team, especially a lot of first-team players coming in. And then obviously everyone getting to know each other. But with everything going on with the coronavirus at the moment, you know, the amount of fixtures teams are playing, I feel like squad depth is going to become a big, important part of the season, especially later on. Um, having to rotate players, keep them fresh. We've got the players that can do that and we have enough players in each position to kind of not really lose that much quality from the team itself. Uh, uh, and then I feel like with the progression we're seeing in the team, if we can keep momentum and build on these results... And then maybe some of the bigger teams maybe start to lack the ability to keep going with us. We could win it, definitely. But I am still being cautious. It depends on how the season goes. Because if we start to lose a couple of players, we again might be in a position like a Liverpool team, not having enough first-team starters to kind of have that momentum to keep going. I 
think in terms of silverware on the whole, if we didn't win the Premier League, that isn't going to be the worst thing. I just expect that we need to be challenging for it. And we need to be sitting in that top three teams with Man City and Liverpool this season. We've also got to think that there's a lot going on so that might affect each team. So this isn't a normal season and we might be end up being ahead in our progress because of that compared to other teams who maybe don't have the squad depth to keep going for the sustained period of kind of like fixtures that are coming at the moment. So I'd probably say an FA Cup is probably more realistic overall. But again, it, it depends because it can be that we go and try and win the FA Cup and we have a game like we did against Tottenham in the EFL and struggle. And then we're out in the second round. But if we can kind of keep our momentum going throughout the season, it's a possibility we could win at least one trophy, I'd hope. So yeah, um, with the Champions League, I definitely feel like we should be winning that group. We should be topping it. You know, obviously Sevilla are a challenge because you know they they play well. They are Europa League winners. God knows how many times. So they have the credentials. But off the back of the draw with them and the way we're playing now, if we were to go to them and you know win. I think that'd be a statement win that could show that we can win against quality European opposition. From there, obviously, going to the knockout stages is a different different ball game because you're coming against some of Europe's elite. But if we can go to them and actually win a game, I feel like there's a chance we could go far, maybe not all the way to the final this season because I feel like as a team, there's that sense of building a mentality in the team and... A chemistry that might take longer than just one season to kind of get right. So, you know, I'm quietly confident we can get far, but I don't feel like we'll be winning a Champions League this season. It would be a dream come true. You never know it could happen, but for now, I'll just, I'll leave it in the dreams. So I think in terms of weaknesses, I I've obviously need to see this team a lot more to see where maybe weaknesses lie in certain players in the first team. But I think a lot of it depends on injuries to the team. So if we're going to lose a Mendy in goal, then you know I do not feel confident with Kepper being in goal. And I think, again, he would contribute to the defence being maybe a bit shakier at times because they have that nervousness around him playing. Even Petr Cech, like, I feel like obviously he's a legend of the club, but... He hasn't played for a long time and I wonder how he would be if he was coming to the team. And also, the kind of effect he would have on the other goalkeepers, him coming in and kind of replacing real first-team players after having retired so long ago. And then, I think after that, it's more defensively. Rudiger and Christiansen, you know, they're good players, but I don't trust them to be able to kind of come into the back line and take over from a Thiago Silva or a Zuma and still have the same qualities as they have. They're not, maybe not as commanding. I feel like Christiansen's decision-making is poor at times. And Rudiger, for me, has not been the same since he came back from his injury last season. Other than that, you know, you could kind of look at maybe injuries to the, the front line, but I feel like there's enough players to kind of swap around, you know. If you look at Pulisic, he's been injured most of the season. We haven't had him we've got the place to fill the role but having him back would be important because in terms of wingers we don't have any natural winners except for Hudson except for Hudson and Doy and he hasn't really put in complete performances this season he's been good but I couldn't trust him to be a regular first team player at the moment for now at least 
And then I think lastly, I would mention, even though I completely believe in Lampard as a coach, him having only been in the job for a few years now, there may be some naivety as a coach and the lack of experience might show later into the season his decision-making, you know, the choice of using certain subs in games. Even though he has proven he knows how to make impact subs, he has had his moments where he's decided to leave the team as it is and we've lost games. So, although I believe in him and I feel like he is hopefully the coach for the future, many years, if he would love to be, that might be a slight weakness for now, but it will go away over time. Uh, I think teams that could win it this season... It's a strange season, so I know it sounds silly, but any team could win it. Look at Leicester years ago. Southampton are playing really well. Leicester are actually playing really well as well. Tottenham are playing well. You know, some of the big teams like Liverpool who have had so many injuries so far means that they might suffer. I might be wrong and they actually, you know, walk away with it still, but it's hard to predict. I would still think Liverpool or Man City, especially Man City, because I don't think they've had the same problems as Liverpool overall. But again, it depends on if Pep might want to focus on the Champions League as it's seen as probably the trophy he wants to win the most with Man City. So that wraps up this episode of Fans Eye View. Thanks to Alex, Lee and Mohammed for coming on the show this week. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do by Instagram. It's at oballspod. On Facebook, at oballspod. Or email us oballspod at outlook.com in the next episode of fans eye view we're going to be looking at newcastle and paul has just messaged me with a brilliant guest all sorted for next week so we hope to see you then take care bye Listening to the O Balls Podcast in association with Peninsula Prince for all your bespoke t shirt and clothing prints.